BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and today's episode, we are talking about nightmares versus night terrors, what to do, how to respond, and how to tell the difference. And joining me is Dr. Helen Egger, who is a professor of child and adolescent psychiatry at the New York University Langone Health, and also the former director of the NYU LH Child Study Center. She's also the head of Little Otters and the author of dozens of papers and articles. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a review. And as always, DM me on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Not all tantrums are screaming and crying and banging hands against the floor. Sometimes you see other behaviors like breath holding or head banging. How can we address those kinds of tantrums? So I'll, I'll treat them separately. Holding breath for most children, they're going to stop when they need to breathe. So I would not get too worried about that. They're not going to, I mean, I, I have never, perhaps it's happened, but I think it would be very rare for a child to hold his or her breath until they passed out. So, so you I, would respond I, the same way as you would? I would not, I would not worry about that. Okay. So people can just continue to be present, regulate themselves and wait yeah. for that to stop. Yes, and I, it, it will stop. Headbanging, I think, is really, I think, focuses on what we talked about before about safety, mm-hmm. right? So if, if your child is, is actually, you know, banging his head against a floor or some hard surface, that's not okay, right? And so in that case, you would want to either you know, have the child have pillows around them, right? Bonking your head on pillows is mm-hmm. different than bonking your head on the floor. I think if a child is repeatedly hitting his head to the extent that it is causing bruising or, you know, contusions in any way, then I, I would really seek help. Mention it to your pediatrician, but also consider either help from a parenting coach or specialist who can help you help your child not do this behavior or consider whether or not there's some other underlying developmental or mental health challenge going on. 
a couple of other scenarios, or maybe you have some of, of what are tantrums, but just present as something else? So I, th- I think that the question that parents ask, and I think also mental health professional asks, is when should we be worried about a child's tantrum? And I think that's very important thing to answer because particularly for children six and under, the way they may express their distress and upsetness may be in tantrums and it may be a sign that there are some other issues going on that you need to get help for from a mental health specialist. So I'm going to tell you about what is this sort of key thing to look for if you're wondering if you should worry about tantrums. The first thing is frequency. Is your child having tantrums nearly every day? If your child is having tantrums almost every day, then that sends a little, it doesn't mean that there's a mental health challenge, but it's something that you want to to think about and, and keep in your mind. The second thing is, who is your child having tantrums with? I mentioned earlier that children, all children have tantrums with their parents. When children are having tantrums with other adults, either with teachers or with babysitters, then again, we prick our ears up a little bit to think, okay, so this isn't just in the safety of the home, it's happening with other grownups. The same thing for different settings. So if a child is only having temper tantrums at home, that is um, you know, very, very common. When children are frequently having temper tantrums at school or daycare or sort of out in the world, again, that's another, another little thing that would make us want to think, hmm, maybe there's something else going on. The other thing that we see with what we call sort of atypical tantrums is that they are triggered often by intense negative emotions, so anger and frustration. And they happen when kids are transitioning from one activity to another activity. And lastly, kids who have temper tantrums that just are coming out of the blue and you have no idea the way I describe that is, do you want to wear your red shoes or your blue shoes? And then you're just, you have no idea what happened. Your child has just devolved into, Mm -hmm. lost it. One of those things doesn't say that they're a problem. It's more that you want to look at how frequent they are. How pervasive are they in the different relationships that your child has and your different settings, what are triggering them? Is it really negative emotions and these out of a blue and transitions? Then if you you think about those things, then you might have some concern. But the most important thing is if your child is having tantrums nearly every day and then is aggressive during the tantrum, so hits, bites, kicks or breaks something during a tantrum, then you really might want to consider you know, talking with your pediatrician or someone else to make sure there isn't an underlying mental health challenge going on. 
So I call tantrums in children six and under that happen nearly every day and are aggressive where the child hits, bites, kicks, or breaks something. I actually call those mental health fevers for young children. Mm. What I mean by that is they are a sign that your child might be experiencing either um, anxiety, maybe depression, maybe ADHD, or some kind of behavioral challenge. They're not specific. They don't, uh, an aggressive frequent tantrum does not mean, oh, that means my child has uh, an anxiety disorder or something. It actually, just like a fever, it really is an entry point. If your child had 102 fever, you would then check, do they have a cough? Do they have any you know, skin blotches? And then maybe take your child to a pediatrician to see mm-hmm. what's going on and whether or not you need to intervene. I think that we should think about these mental health fevers of young children in the same way. And this comes from my research that I've done for years and years with young children. And what we see is children who have these kind of aggressive frequent tantrums are as likely to have an anxiety disorder or depression as they are to have a behavioral problem. And that really gets back to my story that he's a sad kid, not a bad kid. And the importance of this is that we tend to just look at kids' behavior and think that there's a behavior problem or a behavior disorder. And what I'm saying is that is actually not the case, that it is the way that young children communicate to us when they are feeling intense fear, worry, anxiety, or sadness that could be depression. And one thing people say is they get so worried when their young children have aggressive tantrums that that means that their child is going to grow up to be violent or antisocial. And here's the kind of poignant thing from my research. So we I've done very large studies of kids two to five and then followed them into elementary school and later. And what we found is that the children who had had frequent aggressive tantrums as preschoolers, Mm -hmm. that they were more likely to have depression and anxiety when they were in elementary school and middle school. Mm. So it doesn't look like what you think it is. Exactly. And it's why it's so important that we don't just think of tantrums as being out of control behavior, but we understand that it's related to feelings and emotions that are overwhelming the child. Warby Parker is the most fun for me to do ads for because I wear glasses pretty much at every moment when I'm not sleeping. And these are my glasses of choice. And I have so many different looks and you all see them all the time. So don't let your FSA or HSA dollars go to waste. Put them to good use on Warby Parker prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. 
Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses start at $95, which includes the prescription lenses. And this is super easy and convenient. You just try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free. You keep them for five days and there's no obligation to buy. Ships free, includes a prepaid return shipping label. I mean, everything is so convenient. You do nothing. Just try on five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash humans. So I'm going to show on my Instagram all my different glasses from Warby Parker. You can tell me which ones you like the most. I get interrupted asking where my glasses are from all the time and they are always from Warby Parker. I have rose gold glasses. I've got rose gold with navy cat eye tips. I've got plain black nerd glasses. I've got sunglasses. I have tortoiseshell glasses. I'm a little out of control with the glasses, but Warby Parker makes it easy and fun. And when you are someone who needs to wear glasses all the time, it's nice to be able to change them up and feel great about them. From the creators of the number one podcast for curious kids and their grownups, Wow in the World comes a new intergalactic musical podcast. That's right. You heard that correctly. Featuring travel blogging aliens, Flip and Mosey. They set their sights on Earth when their spaceship takes an emergency crash landing, and now they have to wait 3,000 years for an interstellar tow truck to arrive. They spend their time traveling all over the planet Earth, meeting different animal species as they try to learn how to be good Earthlings. There's new music from Grammy nominated artists, the pop ups. You can join them every week for a new musical adventure as Flip and Mosey bring conservation into the conversation for both kids and grown-ups. You can listen to episodes of Flip and Mosey's Guide to How to Be an Earthling everywhere right now or ad-free and one week early by subscribing to Wondery Plus Kids on Apple Podcasts or Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or one week early on Amazon Music. You know I love a good podcast. And how fun to get kids started on podcast listening with high quality podcasts like Wow in the World and Flip and Mosey. You can listen to episodes of Flip and Mosey's Guide to How to Be an Earthling everywhere right now. Gaps in the diet shouldn't be ignored. We want to get most of our nutrition from food, but over 90% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Rituals Essential for Women 18 and Older Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women aged 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual also invested in a university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of the Essential for Women 18 plus multivitamins, which shows to increase vitamin D levels by 43% when taken regularly and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in a 12-week period. Ritual is committed to third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project, traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication. So if you want to find a clean, 
multivitamin. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash humans and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash humans. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, an aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Life insurance can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your loved ones would have financial cushions to pay for things like rent, mortgage, loans, education costs, and everyday expenses. It's not fun to think about, but having coverage through your job may not be enough. Most people need as much as 10 times more to properly provide for their families. Typically, life insurance gets more expensive as you age, so it's smart to get a policy sooner rather than later. Just way before you're even thinking about this, head to policygenius.com, answer a few questions about yourself, and in minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, compare personalized quotes to find your best price, and you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. They have experts who help you understand your options. The Policy Genius team works for you, not the insurance company, so you can actually trust them to give you unbiased help and advocate for you at every step until you're covered. No extra fees. There's no selling your info to third parties. And you can head to Policy Genius. Dot com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com, P-O-L-I-C-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S.com. So this is, you know, goes off into 17 other conversations. <laughs> so we have to have you back. One thing that I just want to touch on is another adjacent behavior I don't know if it's related at all, but as you're saying this, I'm like, oh, we should maybe touch mm-hmm. on this. But when you do see predictors of that, yeah, of, of childhood depression and anxiety, how you respond and how you intervene and mm-hmm. support earlier, mm-hmm. I imagine your research, I mean, you probably could well, speak to that now, actually. What am I saying? Well, yeah, I, I completely. I mean, so, I, the, the, the thing that's important is that the rates of these disorders in little kids is the same as at other ages and that the earlier we identify them, the better. That's, that's the essence of my message. Can we briefly address what you mentioned a little bit before bedtime tantrums Mm -hmm. and responding at a time when you're trying to transition to bedtime? And then how does it look in the middle of the night or a couple hours after sleep? And how can parents distinguish a tantrum from a night terror, from a nightmare, from a just, I want to check in (laughs) in the middle of the night. Absolutely. And this is sleep. Um, You know, and as any parent will tell you, you know, sleep is the Holy grail and that there's so many different (laughs) ways kids sleep gets disrupted. Um, So the first thing to realize is that different kinds of disruptions in sleep, like nightmares waking up during the night, um, having difficulty falling asleep or having difficulty staying asleep can be associated with anxiety disorders, with depression, and with some other syndromes. So they 
can be signs that there's something going on that you might want to look at. And a distinction that's very important is the difference between nightmares and night terrors because Mm -hmm. they are very different things. And I will certainly tell you, as a parent, my twins had night terrors at the same time. It was the freakiest thing. One would start having a terror and then the other one would start and they would do it in tandem. So (laughs) you can imagine how hard it is to stay regulated and calm when you have two little three-year-olds having these night terrors, which can be just screaming, but but actually kids can get up and sort of run around and, and you really can't reach them. They're in this kind of sleep state that you can't reach them. So here's the good news. Night terrors are not associated with mental health problems, period. So night terrors can be really scary, particularly for parents, because a child will suddenly wake up screaming and kids often will get up and sort of run around and seem like they're, you know, you can't reach them and you can't kind of snap them out of it. These are common in childhood. Sometimes they happen because a child is tired. You know, maybe you've had, they missed some sleep. They didn't get their nap. Um, or you're in a new place uh, because you're traveling. But the important thing to realize is, again, trying to stay calm, trying to soothe your child if your child will let you rub their back or just comfort them. And that usually kids then will go back to sleep and they won't have memories of the night terror in the morning. And as a parent, you get the kid back to sleep and then your heart is beating and you're like, can I get back to sleep? Because I'm really freaked out. But while it's hard when it's happening, it's not worrisome. And it is not a behavior that is associated with mental health challenges. And if it lasts in a prolonged way, do you need to seek extra support or they'll grow out of it? Most um, kids grow out of it. I mean, in rare cases, there could be some neurological something going on. Mm-hmm. So I think if it is happening, you know, very, very often um, or seems to be persisting, I would certainly talk with your pediatrician. But for the most part, it will happen and then kids will grow out of it. And, and I think it's reassuring to know that it seems like they're in terror when they're experiencing this, but they're, it's not something that lays down memory. They're not going to remember the experience of it. Okay. Can you distinguish now the nightmare from the night terror? So nightmares tend to be, you know, the child wakes up because they've had some very scary dream. And it's different than night terrors because if the child starts crying or screaming and you come in, you can talk to your child, right? They're there with you. They can tell you, I had a scary dream, or maybe they may not remember it, but they're not in that kind of sort of fugue state that kids who are having night terrors have. Mm -hmm. It is difficult with really little kids who, you know, often don't have the language to tell us what was scary in their dream. And, you know, all kids have nightmares. I mean, we, we have all had that experience. 
But we also know that nightmares can be associated with uh, a child who's experienced some kind of trauma. One of the ways that children who are having a reaction to a traumatic event is that they might have upsetting dreams about that event and be awakened. So we want to be alert to that. Sometimes it can be associated with a child who's having a lot of anxiety. But I think it's also important to realize that there are other kinds of sleep disruption that kids can have that can be a signal that there may be some other mental health things going on. The first thing, yeah, it's so kids who regularly wake up during the night and come in to seek reassurance from their parents, that can be a sign of um, an anxiety disorder we call separation anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. But what's very specific about it is kids with separation anxiety disorder are getting up because they're actually checking that their family member is okay. So it's sort of different than a kid who's like, hey, I want to snuggle. This is awesome. It's an actual worry about. (laughs) Yeah, I want to pop in, you know, this is a good place to hang out at night. I like Mm -hmm, this. mm -hmm. Uh, It's really a child who is waking up and, and seeking reassurance that their family members are okay. And that goes along with during the day, a child who either will get very, very upset when they separate from their primary caregiver, either going to school or being left with a babysitter. Kids with separation anxiety, also I call it being a little shadow, will actually often just follow, in this case, let's say a mom, follow mom everywhere she goes. Like Mm -hmm. if she leaves the room, they follow. If she takes up the garbage, they follow. If she's needs to go to the bathroom, they sit outside the door waiting for her to come out. It's really this, if I let this person out of my sight, something bad might happen to them. And that's really the worry and the anxiety that's linked to separation anxiety. It's that if I am separated from this person I love, they're never going to come back or something really bad is going to happen to them. And we know, I mean, what's interesting about separation anxiety is this is a common stage that children go through when they're babies. Mm-hmm. And, and it's evolutionarily important, actually. So I think we've, you know, it's very common for, you know, kids nine months old, you know, and for about six months during that when they would get upset when they're separated from you. And that is totally a normal part of development, but it's really when a child is persisting in that kind of unwillingness to separate and fear of separating that we really want to figure out what's going on. One, because we have really good ways to help a child manage that anxiety so that they are not suffering so much. Plus, things like separation anxiety really don't just impact a child. They're so disruptive to a family. And, you know, I often give the example of you might have a child with separation anxiety who doesn't go to preschool, never is left with a babysitter, sleeps in the parent's bed, 
follows mom around everywhere she goes. She's actually not experiencing separation anxiety because she's never separating. Right. But the family <laughs> is totally turned upside down. Right. Yeah. And, and that's something that can happen a lot with anxiety. You want to help your child avoid having it. And so you kind of make your family accommodate to the child's mm -hmm. anxiety. And that's not a good thing. But it, what it emphasizes, and I can't stress this enough, that when we're thinking about emotional or behavioral challenges that young children are having, yes, it impacts them and their functioning, but it also impacts families and has such a big impact on how a family may be functioning or doing. So when parents are thinking about how to help their children, it's important to realize that they're really doing that for their child, but also for their family and for themselves. <laughs>